0: Let us pray. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile until the Son of God appears. So come, Lord God, into our hearts, into our church, into our world. And transform us by the truth and the power of your word, for Christ's sake. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, beginning at the 18th verse of the first chapter. Let us hear God's word. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hope is the thing with feathers. Emily Dickinson wrote that. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. We will sing and pray and consider hope this morning. We will do it late in Advent filled with anticipation through a very particular voice, Mary's voice. We have just heard Matthew's streamlined version of the story, the Annunciation, the angelic announcement of Jesus' impending birth and its miraculous circumstances. Now, you can compare and contrast how this story is told in the Gospels. Notice that Matthew focuses on Joseph and that the birth itself merits only one little part of one little sentence, which is fine, of course, but it it seems to me on this day that it's permissible to kind of sneak over into Luke's Gospel as well, where Mary is the focal point. And the birth hasn't yet happened. Now we know the story well. Gabriel the angel appears to Elizabeth and tells her that she will bear a son named John. Six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, that same angel appears to Elizabeth's cousin, a young woman named Mary. And note what... Gabriel said to Joseph do not be afraid is repeated to Mary Do not be afraid Mary And then Gabriel shares the news with her She takes it all in She ponders it questions it and then she accepts it Here I am she says here. I am the servant of the Lord Let it be with me according to your word and just like that the angel departs and mary responds she responds with words that we now call the magnificat as they magnify god and god's promise and god's vision draws near a song of hope in his pivotal work called theology of hope the German theologian Jurgen Moltmann asserts that the hope of faith does not flee the world does not resign from the world does not escape the world the hope of faith does not go to some imagined heavenly bliss somewhere It doesn't sever itself from the earth, but it engages. Hope engages. Hope is realistic, Moltmann writes, because it takes seriously the possibilities of reality. Realistic hope. I can live with that. That feels true to me. This kind of hope places our challenges, and in fact, we will have challenges and sufferings and fears and little deaths and big deaths it it takes all of that and places it in a different context and it does not allow us to be distracted distracted by the sparkly and shiny things of life but even more than that this hope calls for a kind of cosmic reboot whereby the calculus of death and life is transformed and the very essence of power is redefined. And Mary understood that. Kathleen Norris writes, hope has an astonishing resilience and strength. It's very persistence in our hearts indicates that it is not a tonic for wishful thinkers, but the ground on which realists stand, realistic hope. It is like the incarnation itself, God's promise come to us in human form, flesh and blood, and not only that, hope comes to us via this young woman. We can ascribe to her many qualities, this Mary, but the best quality is the most obvious one. She is human. The hope she carries within her, in hope, hope as a person carried by a person, will not erase bad things. But it will remind us that bad things are not the final answer. That's true for each one of us, the bad things that we experience. It's it's true for the church, which struggles in every generation to embrace the boldness of hope. And it's true for the world. It's especially true for the world, this hope is, I think. More and more scholars are helping us understand the truly political nature of all this the empire into which Jesus was born, the flow of money and power and influence that his birth disrupted, the clash of allegiances that he catalyzed. Now remember the setting, of course, this baby was born where he was born because there was a census, a census decreed by an emperor, a political act driven by financial needs None of this would have been surprising to Mary or Joseph. They knew their prophets, Isaiah in particular, and they were familiar with the words that Katie just shared. Words about one who will be born, who will refuse evil and choose good. One who will be born, who will judge not only the religious establishment, but the political establishment as well. Mary reminds us in her Magnificat that this hope will look like justice, and that justice will have far-reaching implications. Nicholas Adams writes that hope is a learning to look forward, confident in the memory of what God has already achieved in Jesus Christ. It is not gained as a result of looking around in the world for unambiguous grounds for optimism. It is learned by understanding the partiality of all our current seeing and knowing, and by anticipating the fullness of our life in God that is yet to come. Christian hope is characterized, Adams writes, by an awareness that human knowing is unavoidably provisional and that faith in God is a trust that what God will make possible is not constrained by what women and men are able to imagine or plan. That's why the four weeks of Advent are so important a time to prepare, to fortify our hope in imagination and in memory. And it is why at the end of this season, because of this memory, we become in this last Sunday's remembrance so embedded in Mary's story. In so many ways, Mary is us. Think about this, when all sorts of political and religious and Personal chaos swirls about her. Mary is at peace because she remembers. She remembers what God has done for her, and we are called to remember as well. draws near, and the world is about to turn. It is Mary's song, and as we appropriate it and claim it as our song, we proclaim her proclamation. We sing with imagination, in hope, because of her memory. We sing and hope in the face of all evidence, in the face of every headline, with our eyes wide open to reality. We hope in God's future, Moltmann writes, in a world not yet finished, a world filled with possibilities. Gabriel's promise to Mary makes that hope real and Mary's embrace of her vocation And the vision that magnifies God's mercy invites our hearts to sing our version of her song 2,000 years later. That's why we're here, is it not? To rehearse, to claim the memory, to take our part and to play our role in this cosmic and very realistic drama, a drama steeped in hope. Frederick Buechner wrote, "What keeps the wild hope of Christmas alive year after year, in a world notorious for dashing all hopes, is the haunting dream that the child who was born that day may yet be born again, even in us. Born, even in us. Born, even." in this world, born even now, wild hope, remembered hope, resilient hope, realistic hope, reconciling hope. It perches in our soul, and it never stops at all. And it draws near even now. Amen.